Hi, this is Joyce Chi with KCSB News. I'm here today with the first author of a new study that looks into antibiotic medicines, specifically a screening test for these drugs that either recommends or rejects them for use against some infections. Spoiler alert, the test is flawed, but a team of UCSB and Cottage Health researchers have a solution. So if you'd like to introduce yourself. Yes, my name is Dr. Douglas Hightop. Uh, I'm a project scientist in the Mayhem Laboratory at UC Santa Barbara in the department of MCDB. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thank you. Um, but before we get into the results of the study, I'd like to first talk about the beginnings. I know that previous research has look, also looked into and tried to remedy its flaws, but what motivated you and your team to focus on this quote unquote gold standard antibiotic screening test? Well, it started uh, with research going back 10 or 15 years in our lab. Um, we were interested in determining whether the uh, ability of bacteria to respond to antibiotics depended on their environment. And uh, the reason why this is an important question is the, the global test that's been used since 1966 for screening antibiotic efficacy is based on testing bacteria in un, under laboratory conditions uh, that are very, very different from the conditions uh, in the human body. And so we hypothesized that um, antibiotic resistance will be impacted by uh, this difference. And what's important is people are not petri plates. Um, and, and we believe that's why antibiotics fail. So um, as you alluded to, the other test, just to get into the other test a little bit more, um, if you could give us a crash course on how exactly this gold standard screening works and what it's used to predict, like I believe it's the MIC values at minimum inhibitory concentrations. That's correct. So the gold standard test is uh, basically uses a laboratory media called Mueller Hinton broth. And it's, it's used because it's cheap and it's widely available. It's used as a, a, a global standard that uh, has worked well for, for many decades. But, but the, the issue is um, the way it's performed is you're, you're determining minimum inhibitory concentrations of drugs in an artificial media that supports bacterial growth, but it, doesn't, it isn't quite what the bacteria will encounter during an infection. So bacteria are, are amazing organisms. They, they're very responsive to their environment. Um, they can respond quickly with changes in gene expression. And part of, part of that gene expression is, uh, you know, resistance or sensitivity to antibiotics. So what, what we wanted to do is take the original test and see if we could improve on it by mimicking uh, conditions in the human body. And that's basically how we got started. It's really, really interesting. So. I believe your paper said that instead of using this Mueller-Hinton broth, you're using um, things that are, for lack of a better term, more human. So cell cultures from mammals and um, samples from human donors. So just how drastic of a difference does it make in terms of prediction accuracy to use more lifelike mediums for these tests? It's been actually uh, a very marked difference between using uh, for example, tissue culture media versus uh, the Mueller Hinton broth, much more accurate in terms of being able to treat 
infections and, and models of sepsis. So what we're, what we're seeing is, is a, we're, you're, we're able to make a better prediction for each antibiotic and each bacteria in terms of a successful patient outcome. So that's really kind of the goal. It's basically, how do you translate the findings in the lab uh, using this modified improved test to the real world? And we're very uh, pleased with our result. Yeah. Um, so when you were examining the results and comparing the differences between these two types of mediums, um, you, I believe you looked at something called clinical breakpoint values, if that's correct. Um, so if you could explain what are these clinical breakpoint values and um, how do your, how does the standard test errors, um, what do those standard test errors look like in terms of these clinical breakpoint values? Well, clinical breakpoints are basically uh, established as a guideline of determining whether uh, in, in a, uh, a, bac a given bacteria will be resistant or sensitive to a, an antibiotic. Um, what we find in relation to this study is that about 15% of the time using uh, cell culture media, we see a cross in clinical breakpoint. So what that means is that a prediction of a drug for a bacteria that we thought that doctors think would be resistant are sensitive and likewise sensitive can be resistant. So it's a question of accuracy of the test. We're improving accuracy and we see 15%. That's that's a pretty large, uh, large number in terms of the fact that when you need antibiotics, you want to get the correct antibiotic the first time, that's gonna give you the best opportunity of clearing your infection. So what we've done is we found that by making by in using this new test, we have a significant improvement in uh, prediction accuracy. Right. Yeah, I know that your test found that some of these anti some of these FDA approved antibiotics that were not being used to treat antibiotic resistant infections because the standard test said that they would be ineffective, they actually could work and. Um, you know, the reverse is also true that some standard test approved drugs are actually ineffective. But in terms of patient care, what kind of implications do these results have that you found for like um, medicine and a patient's treatment plan? Well, I think um, what I would say is that um, the, the real benefit of this new test is that it revealed that um, FDA approved antibiotics that are that are available. You can get them at your at your neighborhood pharmacy. We've shown that they can cure multi-drug resistant infections. But as you've noted, um, they're not prescribed because the gold standard test that um, that physicians use indicates they won't work. So um, the real implications of of our work in the fight against uh, antimicrobial resistance is really twofold. One is that it's going to optimize prescription and the usage of currently available antibiotics. And two, it's gonna enhance the effort to develop new ones. And along the lines of you know, developing new antibiotics, bringing a new, a new drug to market starting from scratch takes about 10 to 15 years and a cost of $1.7 billion. So that's a, that's a huge investment. And what we're saying is that it may be, we have, by, by reevaluating our current toolbox, our existing antibiotics, 
could be end up being far greater benefit than both the time and the cost of you know developing new drugs to combat antimicrobial resistance using the normal uh, workflow. Right. I I mean I'm only you know a second year biopsychology student, but I really do think this test and your findings are so so cool. Um, especially as you talked about in the fight against um, antibiotic resistance. But if you could just give us a quick reminder on why it is so important to address antibiotic resistance and how it's affecting so many different things in our world right now. Yeah, well, um, antimicrobial resistance, and, and I'm sure, you know, if you turn into the news or, um, you know, go online, you'll find a story pretty much every day about antimicrobial uh, resistant infection. Uh, just in this country alone, we're talking about greater than 35,000 deaths a year. Um, globally, uh, over 1.2 million deaths worldwide. But, but the bigger problem is, is predictions of the trend of increasing antimicrobial resistance is to the point where by the year 2050, um, it is predicted that in the range of 10 million deaths annually will, will occur. So this is a this is a real problem that um, is certainly uh, worsening, and uh, it needs new approaches. And I think that um, what I what I told you earlier about you know the time and cost of developing new antibiotics, you know that's we're we're kind of running out of time. And um, you know there's a rationale for why you know we're falling behind in developing new antibiotics, and it's because it's just not it's not profitable enough for the companies to to make drugs that people are gonna take for seven to 10 days. You wanna make the drugs that people will be on for the rest of their life. So that's understandable. How do you incentivize you know, corporations to, to, to make new antibiotics? It's, it's a difficult thing to do. But we're saying as an alternative to that, let's stop and say, wait, maybe we already have in our toolbox you know, some really effective drugs that just haven't been given a chance. Right, yeah. and. Um... It has so many implications for people with already limited access to healthcare, and you know, as you mentioned, that some of the some of the drugs that they might need or could actually just be at you know their local pharmacy. So, um, and I know you alluded to this earlier that um, the impact of these findings can also also relate to the development of new drugs. So just looking to the future, what do the next steps look like for your new screening test and ensuring that people are able to get antibiotics that are not only available, but that actually work? Well, uh, great question. And I would say that I would start by saying the new test is, is freely available. This isn't a patented test. It's very inexpensive and very easy to, uh, to implement into you know, current protocols. That being said, um, it's always a challenge, and it's certainly in medicine, to change um, the current standard, especially for, as I said, a test that's been used for, you know, for decades. Um, but we, but I believe the benefits clearly outweigh the obstacles in this, in, in this, in this given condition, in that this new test can really, we believe, lead to significant cost and life savings. Um, so it's definitely a worthwhile endeavor. And I think it's something that will be used globally. And I think it's, um, we have the means to, to, to take the next steps and get it out there. We're excited about it. Yeah, it's such a huge game changer and um, really, really excited 
to see where this goes. And yeah, so I, if you have anything else you'd like to add about anything cool from the results of your study, like, sorry, this is like kind of out of left field, but I something I found really, really interesting was that when you use the old, the old gold standard test and the new one together, when they are in agreement, it's actually um, more effective in terms of prediction. Is that right? That's correct. Um, so basically, uh, when when the new test agrees with the old test, we get a boost in prediction of accuracy. When they don't agree, uh, it's it's a significant improvement of the new test. But basically, like I said, the new test initially will be used in conjunction with the old test. Okay, until we can demonstrate that the therapies predicted using the new test are actually ones that should be used as a primary therapy in patients. This is a process that will take, you know, maybe five years really to get it to see it in in, in practice, but uh, we believe it's going to happen. That's great. Really, really cool. Um, so, yeah, I think that's pretty much all the questions I had today, unless you had anything else you would like to add about your findings and you know, you definitely already spoke about this, but if you just want to end on this final question, um, I know you alluded to earlier that it can reduce costs, but how can improved accuracy rates in antibiotic screening tests not only benefit patients, but as the healthcare system as a whole? And even though that the healthcare system seems resistant to this change, why is do you believe it's something that it's a why do you believe it's a change that they need to adopt? Right. Well, something I haven't mentioned yet is that the problem of antimicrobial resistance uh, is is multifold. But you can imagine when you're um, misprescribing antibiotics, for example, you know, if you give antibiotics to someone with a viral infection, it's not doing anything for the infection, but you're putting more antibiotics out there in the environment, and that basically that's how antimicrobial resistance gets perpetuated. That's how you get new pathogens emerging in nature by overuse of antibiotics. So what's what's really neat about this new test is that a more accurate test uh, gives you a better chance of prescribing the correct antibiotic the first time. So you're actually reducing the emergence of antimicrobial resistance just in that capacity. Really, really cool. Thank you so much, Dr. Hyatloff. I was super excited when I read about this in the current, and I'm really glad that I got to speak to you um, about this. So thank you so much for your no, time. Thank you. Your questions were great. I enjoyed thank it. you so much. Thank you. Take Have care. It's been an honor Bye. talking to you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.